Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everybody that's located in the United States and around the world. Um, This is uh, Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God, a biblical and instructional program. I know I haven't been on the air since the uh, election of Donald Trump as the 45th president of the United States. Uh, Yah, or God, has wanted me to think about my life and and where it's headed and where this ministry is headed. And uh, it took me four months, it appears, to to figure that out, basically. So, But I'm back on the air now uh, indefinitely, and uh, just be praying that I can continue to to do these broadcasts uh, every Sunday at uh, right now is at 1 o'clock, but if I need to change the time, I will let you know about that. And so what we're going to do today is study a topic that I know certainly in uh, Protestant churches and the Catholic Church and, and other churches, most of them teach that the law is nailed to the cross. And if any of you heard my broadcast on this program and the other program that I do, you know definitely I don't believe that. And for those who are new, listening to me for the first time, you need to go to my archives and listen to the two-hour teaching that I did on uh, asking this question. Did Yeshua teach us just to keep six commandments? Because a lot of people are very much deceived uh, in that teaching. And so uh, I, or should I say, misinformed. So please listen to that. And this teaching is, I would say along the lines of that teaching, but is more clear about what God means when he says we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. All right. First of all, we certainly have to learn how to love ourselves because if we don't learn how to love ourselves, how can we love someone else? All right, so I know everyone is familiar with the golden rule and what's equivalent to that, love your neighbor as you love yourself, whatever someone, you, you, whatever you uh, do, whatever you would want someone to do for you, you do for them, all right? So that's where we got the golden rule from. But Hebraically, neighbor in Hebrew means your friend or someone living near you. Um, the Hebrew word for that is reah in Hebrew, reah. 
Albert Yeshua, he helped us to understand Yeshua, for those who are listening to me for the first time, is uh, Jesus in Hebrew. Yeshua means salvation. So however salvation or Yeshua helped us to understand we must learn how to love everyone like we love our friends and people near us. And Yeshua died for everyone, not just for those who keep um, the commandments or, or keep the Torah. And, you know, commandments in Hebrew is mitzvot, and and that, that is the plural, plural for it. Mitzvot is the uh, singular for commandment. So, in Hebrew. And so, this is a very interesting, I, I would say, um, call today. Not call. <laughs> Program today. Because, really, the summation of why we are righteous or, or try to be righteous. Righteousness is defined in the Bible in Psalm 119, 172 as keeping all the mitzvot or commandments or keeping the Torah, which means in Hebrew instructions. And so I keep on saying means in Hebrew because it's important to get the original meaning of the word that was translated. And we, if you don't know the original languages, you can certainly use what is called lexicons. Lexicons is the next best thing if you don't know the languages. And they have tools like logos.com, which is Greek for word, L-O-G-O-S.com, where it gives you all kind of comprehensive tools. You can look up the word in the original language, and it also gives you the pronunciation, and uh, it gives you the type of how the word was uh, written in the original Hebrew or Greek. So anyway, this is a very important scripture that I'm going to quote here. Uh, this is um, I wrote this on the uh, introduction to this uh, program for today. How do we love our neighbors as we love ourselves? And this is John 3, verse 16 and 17. I'm reading this in the scriptures version. Now, little little disclaimer, I never can predict exactly when <laughs> I'm going to get through talking. Uh, so I have this for 30 minutes, but if I get cut off, I'll let you know toward the end of it and then the entirety of it would be in the archives, all right? So, But hopefully I can get done in the 23 minutes that I have today. So anyway, uh, John 3, verse 16, I know that people are familiar with John 3, verse 16. Uh, it's a very, very popular uh, scripture that is uh, quoted by ministers. Is a very important scripture or popular scripture that's uh, quoted uh, or use at, at football games and sporting events. They have John 3, verse 16. And so, anyway, I'm going to read verse 17 along with it. It says, For Elohim, or God, so loved the world that he gave his only brought forth son, or begotten son, so that everyone who believes in him should not perish, but possess everlasting life. For Elohim did not send his son into the world to judge the world or to condemn it but that the world through him might be saved. So this is a, a good scripture to understand because really God's intention is to save every human being on the earth. And well, we know that's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen. He's not going to save every human being on the earth because some human beings, unfortunately, are going to choose the wrong path. That's why we have a lake of fire. However, uh, certainly this scripture indicates the vast majority will get it finally. So that's that's the good news because saving the world means that's a good crop of people. It's a good vast majority. All right. So, but unfortunately, a lot of people, the majority, are going to have to go through hard times to get to that point. 
And so what happens is that most people don't read the rest of the context of John 3, verse 16. But I'm going to do that so that you understand. Uh, Actually, we're going to go two verses above. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, is John 3, verse 14, even so the son of Adam, or Yeshua, or Jesus, has to be lifted up so that whoever is believing in him should not perish. Now, that word perish means perish. It means to be destroyed, but possess everlasting life. Now, we need to understand because most people say, okay, all I got to do is believe in Jesus. All I got to do is believe in Jesus and, 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 and believe and just love my neighbor as myself. And that's all I have to do, or, or just love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and that's it. But what these people, either they're deceiving you and they know it, or they don't know what they're talking about, the Bible certainly is instruction, or Torah, on showing you how to love your neighbor as yourself, and how to love God with your whole soul, heart, and mind. Alright, so that's what these People don't teach you, either they don't understand themselves or they're in a state of denial about what the scriptures obviously reveal, as I'm going to reveal to you today. So anyway, so we understand that if we don't believe in him, then we're going to perish. So I, I think if I were you, I would I need to, to be taught what I need to do to make sure I don't perish. Okay, perish in the Greek here certainly means, let me, let me take a look here, let me look at my lexicon here. Um, perish in the original Greek means to destroy. And so he's saying that if you don't believe in him, you're going to be destroyed based on the Greek. Okay, so uh, let's go to John 3, verse 18. I'm going to read this in the Scriptures version, which is a Hebrew version of the a Hebrew. Uh, let me try to simplify this. This, this uh, Bible version called the Scriptures it digs deep into the original languages and it translates the words uh, the best that they could in the original Hebrew sense of it because the Bible was written by Jews. All right, so John 3, verse 18. He says, He who believes in him is not judged or condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only brought forth son of Elohim. Verse 19, and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world. Now, Who? what is the light? If you look at John chapter 1, it tells you that light is the Messiah. So it's talking about the Messiah here. And so this is the judgment that, that light has come into the world, or Eretz in Hebrew, and men love the darkness rather than the light. So men, majority of them, love the darkness. So if light is the Messiah, what is the opposite or dichotomy of that? Is the devil. The devil is darkness. The Messiah is light. And many men today love the devil and they don't even know it. In John chapter 8, Yeshua told his fellow Jewish brethren that you are of your children, the devil. I mean, the ones he was talking to, not every one of them there, but that particular audience, they were having the spirit of the devil influencing them. So if you don't believe me, read John chapter 8. So anyway, it says, And men loved the darkness, or Hasatan, rather than the Messiah, the light, for their works were wicked. And so when you love darkness, when you love Hasatan, your, most of your works will be wicked. And see, this is a shocking statement to people who believe uh, this walk is not about works, because it is. 
Now, the works don't save you, but in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, it states that faith, your trust, must have works. That's how you prove to yod heh or Yah, that you believe in him and you love him. I mean, he, the, the master told us in John 15, verse 10, if you guard my commands, if you keep my commands, you shall stay in my love. Okay, and then King James says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so the believing does have a sense of ahava or love. That's what love means in Hebrew. It has a sense of when you believe in him, you love him. So I'm really trying to break this down in a clear way so you understand. All right. So whenever you hear John 3, verse 16, you understand the context of that. All right. And so in verse 18, uh, verse 19 says, And this is the judgment that the Messiah, or the light, has come into the world, and men love the darkness of Hasatan, or the devil. Rather, and the Hasatan means the adversary. And men love the darkness rather than light, for their works are wicked. Verse 20, for everyone who is practicing evil matters hates the light. You hate Messiah. If you consistently are doing things that are wicked, what do you realize in that? You hate the Messiah and does not come to the Messiah, that not his works should be exposed or revealed. <clears throat> Verse 21, but the one during truth, doing truth. So you have to do truth. What is truth? Psalm 119, verse 142 tells you what truth is. Truth is the instructions and doctrines of yod which in Proverbs chapter 4 is a simple definition of what that is. Um, it says, for I give you good instruction, do not forsake my Torah. Okay, so that is a biblical uh, definition um, of what Torah is. Torah is the instructions and doctrines of Yah. And so that's what truth is. And many people are confused by that. They're not taught those things. All right, so in verse 19, and this is the, okay, in verse 20 of the Scriptures version of the Bible, in verse 21, rather, it says, but the one doing the truth, so we understand doing his instructions, doing his doctrines, comes to the light so that his works are clearly seen that they have been wrought in Elohim. Okay, and so that's the reason why he states in Matthew chapter five, we should be lights. We should be should, people should see what we're doing, so people will know that. Let me just read what it says here in Matthew chapter five, and I know this program is going to take more than thirty minutes, so. <laughs> but it'll be in the archives though. Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter it'll, it'll whet your appetite, so you can review it. So Matthew chapter five. Uh, in verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt becomes tasteless, how shall it be seasoned? For it is no longer of any use but to be thrown out and to be trodden down by men. Verse 14, You are the light of the world, so we should be little examples of the Messiah. It is impossible for a city to be hidden on a mountain, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it shines to all those in the house. In verse 16, Let your light, your, your good works, what you do, so shine before men so that they may see your good works and praise your Father Abba, who is in heaven, the fulfillment of keeping Torah, his instructions, his doctrines, by doing that. Now, in 1 John 2, verse 2, 
And he is the propitiation or covering for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the entire Eretz, a world, ladies and gentlemen. So it's not just about the Jews, about Israel. It's about the entire planet. It's about all humanity. That's what it's about, ladies and gentlemen. And Luke 10, verse 29 to 37, tells you that we must, it reveals to you that we must learn how to love the person who is different from us. Who is different from us. And that's, that's some good scriptures to study and inculcate in your being. Now, where the Jews get the idea that we also must love everyone is Leviticus 19, verse 33 to 34. It says, when a stranger resides with you in your land, and this is an NASB version of the Bible, when a stranger resides with you in the land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and shall love, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Mitzrayim or Egypt, for I am the master of your Yah. So this is scriptural proof and evidence that in addition to loving our friends, and that's what Rea means in Hebrew, it means that your friends are people that are near you, you're native. You also must love the stranger that's not a native as yourself. So really loving your neighbors as yourself and you, you combine both those scriptures, it means simply to love everyone as you would love yourself. Now, the golden rule, is, uh, it means, therefore, whatever you wish men to do, do also to them, for this is Torah and the prophets. That's in, found in Matthew 7, verse 12, the scriptures. And here's the scriptures that people trip up on. Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40, to try to say we don't have to keep the Sabbath, we don't have to keep the holy days, we don't have to, to keep the other um, commandments of God. We only have to just keep two, which is true. You have to understand something, and I'm going to explain it to you here. And Yeshua said to him, You shall love God your Elohim with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind. This is the first and great command. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the Torah and the prophets. So what you must do, logically is picture in your mind and I have written a document and for those who will want to read the document feel free to email me at canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com that's canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com and this document clearly would reveal to you I call it a study guide how do we love our neighbor as ourselves okay so so that's important. <clears throat> so basically, you should picture in your mind those two commandments. Love Elohim with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind. That's Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 to 12. That's the Shema, part of the Shema, the traditional Shema. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then what I have, I have a, 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 a rectangular box with those two commandments. And then underneath that, I have the Torah and prophets underneath it. And he says, on these two commands hang all the Torah and the prophets. So when you effectively love God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, you are actually loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's what, that's what he uh, tried to explain or did explain to us uh, based on the answer to the question, 
in Matthew 22, verse 36, teacher, which is the great command in the Torah. All right? And so don't let anybody deceive you to say, well, okay, all we got to do is just love God and then love your neighbor as you love yourself because love is defined as keeping the commandments in the Bible. First uh, John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, plainly, for this is the love of Elohim that we guard his commandments or we keep his commandments or his mitzvot. And his mitzvot or commandments are not heavy. They're not grievous. And so that's how we define love. Another simple definition of love in Second John 1 verse 6. Um, let me read this in the King James. It's more clear. It says, and this is ahava, or love, that we walk after his mitzvot or his commandments. This is the mitzvot that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Okay? And so that is another clear definition of what love is. And then Romans 13, verse 10, is another simple definition of love. Romans 13, verse 10, Ahava, love, works no ill to his neighbor, colon. Therefore, Ahava, love, is fulfilling or the completion of Torah or his, or his instructions or doctrines. All right? So now you should be getting a clear picture of what, Loving your neighbor as loving yourself is. And if you understand what the biblical definition of love is, it's quite simply you shall keep the commandments or the Torah, his instructions, your neighbor as yourself. So just like you obey all his instruction, you should certainly apply that instruction towards your neighbor or everyone. In James 2 verse 8, it says, If, however, you are completing the royal or fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. Now, here's an interesting commentary here by David Stern, and I do quote commentaries when they make sense. Uh, it says, Kingdom Torah is not a new Torah given by Messiah. It does not make the, uh, the Torah that was given to Moses and the instruction obsolete, even though, as Galatians 5 verse 14 puts it, the whole of Torah is summed up in this one sentence, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So all the commandments, what it should do is influence and inspire and motivate us to love everyone as we love ourselves. Rather, Yaakov means that kingdom Torah, Yaakov is Jacob in Hebrew, kingdom Torah is in essence nothing other than the Torah of Moshe carried out, or Moses, carried out by the power of the Ruach, how condition of the Holy Spirit, in conformity with his own passage that says, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeshua was pointing in this direction when he said that this is one of the two mitzvot, or principles, on which all the Torah and the prophets depend. Here the principle says that the poor, including the widows and the orphans of James 1 verse 26, as well as the rich, are counted as neighbors to be loved as oneself. Yeshua meant the same at Luke 10, <clears throat> verse 25 to 37, in the parable of the man. From, um, that's the, the uh, Samaritan, from Samaria. And so Galatians 5, verse 14, the scriptures, and you know I, I've been getting lately some, one, this one individual saying Paul was a false prophet. Well, you know, everything that Paul wrote can be confirmed by the other instruction of the Bible, and this is certainly one of them. He says, for the entire Torah is completed in one word in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and that's certainly found in Leviticus 19, that scripture. 
So the whole of Torah is summed up in one sentence, Leviticus 19, verse 18 specifically. That's where that is found. Where Shaul or Paul also used in this way at Romans 13, verse 8 to 10, compared James 1, verse 27. Now, Judaism contains a number of epitomes of Torah. One of the best-known passages, naming several of them, is in the Talmud, which is uh, writings of Jewish arguments of Scripture. Some of them make sense. Some of them don't. You just have to use your wisdom and knowledge and do what the Bereans did. Check on everything that someone's teaching. That includes me. That includes Paul. That includes everyone. But the scriptures are different. The 66 books are the word of God. So everything that was written there has been inspired by God. So, But anyway, this is found in Makot 23b, 24a, abridged in the Talmud. Uh this particular quote, Rabbi Simli, Simli said 613 commandments were given to Moses, 365 negative mitzvot, same as the number of days in the year, 248 positive mitzvot, that means commandments, same as the number of parts in a man's body, came and reduced them to 11, that's found in Psalm 15, Isaiah to 6, Isaiah 33 verse 15, Micah to 3, Micah 6 verse 8, and Isaiah again to 2, observe justice and do righteousness, Isaiah 56 verse 1. Then Amos came and reduced him to one. Seek me and live. <laughs> That's found in Amos 5, verse 4, as did Habakkuk. The righteous one will live by his trusting. Habakkuk 2, verse 4. That's the prophet that hardly anyone quotes. So this is um, a quote from the Jewish New Testament Bible, but he took it from the Talmud. Here's another one, and it looks like, uh, folks, I'm going to be going off the air in the next three minutes, but you will be able to access uh, these teachings in the archive when I'm done, which I should be done, I'm hoping, in the next uh, 15 or 20 minutes here. So, um, to summarize, though, for those who are going to be uh, not listening to me live here, uh, we un- should understand that the two greatest commandments is similar to each other, because if you don't love your neighbor, you're not loving God. All right? So, and it's not just we just keep two commandments. It's that these two commandments hang all the Torah and the prophets. And those two commandments is a summary of what keeping the Sabbath and the holy days and all the rest of the commandments should motivate us to do, is to love everyone. And so that's the simplest way that I can explain this. And people who are telling you that you don't have to keep the Sabbath when God has opened up the understanding of Sabbath to you and the holy days that is a lie, ladies and gentlemen. That is a total lie, and I have to tell the truth about that. If God is revealing to you the understanding of the Sabbath and holy days, obviously he wants you to keep it because we're all responsible for what we know, not what we don't know. All right, so let's just use a little common sense here, and his commandments aren't grievous, and I know people try to act like it is, and it's not. So that is the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me Yah. And I have quite a few people who don't like what I preach because I I preach out the Bible. And uh, keeping the Sabbath is not something that is not approved of God, ladies and gentlemen. Mark 2, verse 27, and it's not just for the Jewish people. Mark 2, verse 27, he said unto him, "The, the Shabbat was made for man. It doesn't say Jews there, for man and not man for Shabbat. All right, so... And then Isaiah 66, and no one can refute this, even in Hebrew, Isaiah chapter 66, 
Even Jews admit that it appears that all of humanity will be keeping the Moedim. Isaiah 66, starting in verse 22, it says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Master, so shall your seed and your name remain. Verse 23, and it shall come to pass that from one Rosh Hadish, a new moon to another, from one Shabbat to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Master. Okay, and you can tell this is an end-time prophecy because in verse 24 it says, and they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. What is sin? First John uh, chapter 3 tells you what sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. So sin is when you transgress the law. And so you you don't want to do that, ladies and gentlemen, because sin is the transgression of the law. So that's found in 1 John. So um, so it should be pretty obvious to you that humanity will be keeping the Shabbat and the Moedim in the future. And if he's revealing that information to you now, then obviously he wants you to start keeping it now. And that is the truth and nothing but the truth. So may God bless and keep you, and please listen to the entirety of this message in the archive. Okay, I'm in the archive section or session of the program here. So let's continue on here with this uh, very important teaching that I'm giving about how we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And I was explaining uh, the definition, and I'm trying to find a scripture here of the definition of uh, sin here. So this is in the Bible somewhere, I know. So, And it says, uh, it's a simple definition. It says, sin is the transgression of the law. And so, and that scripture is found in First John. First uh, John 3, verse 4, not 14. First John 3, verse 4 states plainly, Whoever commits sin transgresseth also against Torah. For sin is the transgression of Torah, or the instructions or doctrines of Yah. And so any of the commandments, and there's several mitzvot in the entire 66 books, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of commandments and principles and, and so forth that we need to follow. Any violation of any, anything of morality in the Bible is sin, any of the instructions. And so that is the truth about that. Now, I was going to read a good um, research uh, tool to get is the Jewish Study Bible, and this is the uh, commentary. This is the official uh, Tanakh that Jews use uh, that don't know Hebrew. Uh, they use it, and it's a pretty good uh, commentary of the Tanakh. But be careful because, of course, the people that have written this commentary, they don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. So you have to be very careful uh, when you read this. But I, I go to this from time to time because a lot of things they say in here in their commentary is correct. And so in Isaiah chapter 66, in Isaiah chapter 66, uh, starting in verse uh 20 to 23, it says, Why the new age would be one of extraordinary longevity. These verses do not predict eternal life and the resurrection in contrast to rabbinic notations. Um, I'm looking for the uh, verse here where it talks about, let's see, where is it here? 
Oh, okay, that's the wrong one. Isaiah 66, Isaiah chapter 66. Here we go. Now, this is what I want to read. And those who adhere to one house need to read this. And they need to, and this is from the Jewish Study Bible. This is from Orthodox Jews or Jews that certainly don't believe the Gentiles to keep the Sabbath and Holy Days. Um, but they realize that this prophecy is, you can't argue it. It says, uh, this is their commentary. It's on page 898 of the newest version, the second edition of the, the second edition of the Jewish Study Bible. And it says, on page 898, a final description of the fates awaiting those who accept the Master and those who reject the Master. The distinction between Judeans and non-Judeans is not mentioned here. It's not mentioned here. The worshipers of the Master, in verse 23, include all flesh, not just Israelites. And the men who rebelled against Yah in 24 include Israelites, as the preceding two chapters make clear. The, thus, the book ends on a highly universal note. Let me underscore that again. It says, a final description of the fates awaiting those who accept the master and those who reject the master. The distinction between Judeans or Jews and non-Judeans or Jews is not mentioned here. The worshipers of the master in verse 23 include all flesh, not just Israelites. And the men who rebelled against God in verse 24 include Israelites, as the preceding two chapters make clear. Thus, the book ends on a highly universal note. And so that is very important to understand, ladies and gentlemen, about that. All right. So here's another um, quote from the Talmud, uh, Shabbat 31a in the Talmud. It says, a pagan came before Shammai. That's one of the various uh, factions of, uh, well, it wasn't called Judaism, but different sects of Jews. At that time in the first century, Shammai, he was one of them, and Hillel was the other one. They were they were the two that had different interpretations of the scriptures. Uh, and then Shammai said to him, make me a proselyte. That's someone who converts over to being a Jew. But on condition that you teach me the entire Torah while I am standing on one foot. Shammai drove him off with the builder's measuring rod, which he had in his hand. When he appeared before Hillel, the latter told him, what is hateful to you? Do not do to your neighbor. This is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. That is a very, very interesting quote. And it says, go and learn it. And so the Jews understood and still understand that uh, the, entire, the entire Torah is commentary on uh, do unto others as you do, have them do unto you. Uh, this is a, a twist of that, but it's still the same concept in loving your neighbor as yourself. The rest is commentary. And I try to teach people that, sure, the first five books of Moses is the instruction. It's the foundational instruction. All the rest of the books of the Bible is additional foundation. Okay, it's additional instruction. All right? But the foundational instruction, yes, which is can be also called Torah. But Torah is also, as the Jews believe, could be, all the instruction of the Bible and correct interpretation of the Bible, which uh, some of the oral law is correct and some of it is not. Of course, the oral Torah that is correct, we should accept. But anyway, the parable of the sheep and the goats tells us in a simple way how we should love Torah believers and everyone else. So let me read this this famous parable. And... I'm going to give you instruction on how we love our neighbors as ourselves. Not just keeping the Sabbath, folks. 
when we keep the Sabbath, the Sabbath is like a day where your batteries are recharged to do good unto others. That's what it really what it is. And we focus on God because loving God is like loving yourself and loving your neighbor. So the whole purpose of us obeying God, ladies and gentlemen, is to learn how to care about people. It really is. All right? And I'm going to show that to you today. And when the son of Adam comes in his esteem and all the set-apart messengers with him, then he shall sit on the throne of his esteem. And all the goy, the goyim, and that's uh, in Hebrew nation, shall be gathered before him, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the sovereign shall say to those on his right hand, Come, uh, you blessed of my Abba, or, or Father, inherit the reign and prepare for you, from the foundation of the world. That is another Bible study. But yes, he has certainly picked those that he wants to inherit with him the entire universe, including the world. Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the rain prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous shall answer him, saying, Master, when did we see you hungry and we fed you, or thirsty and gave you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and took you in, or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and we came to you? And the sovereign shall answer and say to them, Truly, I say to you, insofar as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. And so that's how we can understand Shema, the, the two most important commands, is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Let's go to Shema so you can understand that. Leviticus. No, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. This is the first part of the Shema. Uh, Deuteronomy, chapter 6. And Shema means to listen, to understand. Verse 4 in Hebrew. Hear, or Shema, understand and obey. O Israel, Israel, the master, our Yah, is one, Ehad, master, compound unity. Verse 5, and thou shalt love the master, thy Yah, with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. This is where Yeshua got this from. This is the Shema. But this is the context of Shema. And then when you look at verse 3, it gives you additional context. It says, hear therefore, O Israel, or Israel, and observe to do it, that it be male with thee, that you may increase mightily. Observe to do what? He's, his commandments. And it started in verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now these are the mitzvot, or the statutes and judgments which the master your Yah commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess. Verse 2, thou, that you may fear the master thy Yah to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say, well, uh, Gentiles don't have to keep the Sabbath and holy days. It says anyone that, that is a part of Israel. And we are certainly a part of Israel based on what Paul said and what the other scriptures indicate, uh, that we are grafted into Israel. If we're grafted into Israel and we're fellowshipping with them, we are also a part of the covenant people. We join ourselves to the covenant people and we keep the mitzvah. We have the spirit of Messiah in us. 
Messiah should be living in us based on Galatians 2, verse 20. If Messiah is living into us and he hasn't changed, Hebrews 13, verse 8 says, Yeshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then he's going to be living inside of us symbolically, and he's going to be urging us to keep the Shabbat and the holy days. That's the easiest way I can explain it. If we have the spirit of Messiah, that spirit of Messiah will not frown on keeping Shabbat and the holy days. Okay? Because he did it. And he commands us in 1 John 2, verse 6, through his apostle, Yochanan, John, in his epistle, that we should walk like he walked. And in the context of that, it's talking about keeping the mitzvah, it's keeping the Shema, right here, as I'm quoting here. All right, it says in verse 2, thou, that thou might fear the master, thy Yah, to keep all his statutes and commandments, all of them, not some of them, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, and all the days of thy life, and that they, thy days may be prolonged. Now, I want you to understand, Yeshua said this is one of the greatest commandments. And he quoted this in the context of a scripture that's talking about keeping all the commandments. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Master, our Yah, is one Lord. And in Galatians chapter 6, this is, and he talks about the Jewish people and all of Israel and the goy that has attached themselves to Israel is the Israel of Yah. No, non-Jews don't replace Jews. What they do is join them, and they all become ehad, and they all keep the mitzvah. Now, of course, there's certain mitzvot that you can't keep. Like, as far as I know, I'm not a literal Levite. In character, I am, as far as doing some of the things that they do, teach and serve the, the, the people in the congregation, but... I'm not, as far as I know, DNA-wise, a Levite. And so I wouldn't give sacrifice, physical sacrifices. That's not a commandment for me. There are other mitzvot that are for women. I wouldn't keep those. There's some, some other mitzvot for men. I, I, you, know, uh, you know, If you're a woman, you wouldn't keep like One of the major ones that women never can keep is circumcision. Okay, so we're not going to keep, every human being is not going to keep all of them. You keep all of them that applies to you. And there's been certain arguments that whether the Sabbath is universal. Now, the Sabbath is certainly universal because the Sabbath was created and set up before Sinai. Okay, so, but anyway, that's not a Bible study. But in Galatians 6, verse 16, it states uh, for Messiah, verse 16 of Galatians chapter 6, as many as walk according to this rule, Peace of shalom be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Israel of God includes Jews and all the rest of the tribes of Israel, plus any of those who aren't a part of the tribes of Israel that are grafted in. That's the complete Israel of Yah, ladies and gentlemen, according to Galatians 6, verse 16. All right, so, part in the Shema. It says, Hear, O Israel, back to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord that the master our Yah is one master. Verse 5, And thou shalt love the master thy Yah with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Verse 7, And you shall teach them diligently, like you mean it, unto thy children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in thine house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Verse 8, and you shall bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. This is where Jews get the good traditional concept of tefillin. 
may have the they have something written on there to help them remember. And I think it's Shishama to help them to remember, scroll of that, to, to remember keeping the commandments. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. This is the mezuzah. I hope I pronounce it uh, properly. But it, it's, uh, it's something that on the uh, the post of thy house, when you go to a Jewish synagogue, is there on each uh, opening of a room to remind them to keep the, the, the Torah, the instructions of Yah. And so it's very important to understand it. All right, so trying to break this down so you understand. And so this is how we love our neighbor, folks. We provide food and drink for everyone. We provide clothes and shelter. We visit those who are sick, and we visit those in prison. And I've tried to do all these things, and I can say, actually, I have done all these things. Um, Yes, I have, and I'm going to try to continue to do all these things. Uh, how I visited those in prison, I actually visited someone who was in prison or incarcerated remotely, and I, I gave him teaching. So I have actually fulfilled all these things. And really, we should do the best we can. This is what keeping the Sabbath and the Moedim, which pictures Yah's plan for us and his instruction for us, what he wants us to do. This is what the results, this is what he means by bearing fruit. We just don't keep the Sabbath and holy days and don't do any of these things. You might as well stop keeping them if if you are not going to be motivated to to, to provide food and drink, provide clothes and shelter for those uh, who you don't know. Uh, Visit those who are sick and visit those in the prison. Now, of course, this is based on your capabilities, of course, you know, but you should try to do the best you can. If you don't, if you can't provide it, you may know somebody who can provide these things. They're still doing it. You're still participating in helping someone. If you don't have food, you may know somebody that can give someone food. Or you may know of a source that can provide free food. I know of one right now off the top of my head, feedingamerica.com. I think it's .org.com. They provide food, free food, for people who need it. If you provide that information to somebody, you have fulfilled that. So it's not always having the resources, but it's giving the information to people. Also helping people find jobs. Or if you know of somebody that can provide a job for somebody, you have provided food and drink to that individual, as well as clothes and shelter. Visiting those who are sick. Yeshua did that on the Sabbath. And I, I, I believe he did it quite often. He healed people on the Sabbath. There's nothing wrong with visiting people on the Sabbath. And occasionally... Uh, working for food banks. You shouldn't spend the whole Sabbath doing that, but there's nothing wrong with spending maybe a couple of hours uh, going to a food bank and feeding people on Shabbat. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as you don't forsake your, your fellowship responsibilities with, with uh, people who are like-minded believers. And so, of course, visiting those who you know in prison and those who, who you don't know, that's open to hearing the word of God. We should all be doing that. That's, that's how we fulfill the Torah, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Uh, the Sabbath is a day where we fellowship with people, and fellowship, when that word is, is uh, written in, in the Greek, in the New Testament means to distribute, to distribute, to want to share and care for people. That's why we fellowship. We don't fellowship just to sit around and smile and eat. We also fellowship because we're concerned about one another, or should be anyway. Uh, here, here's the concept of that. In Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. 
it states plainly in verse 24, and this is the context of uh, the temple structure and being able to draw near to him. But drawing near to God is also means that you are keeping the two greatest commandments and that you care about people and you care about him. And you show you care about him by caring about other people. Hebrews 10, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Enuma in Hebrew. All right? And, and it has something to do with truth. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. With pure water. And this is part of what the doctrines of, of, of washings are, which is one of the foundational beliefs of Messiah, the doctrine of washings. And we, we need to wash ourselves through the word of God. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the possession, or not the profession, of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful, that promise. Remember that faithful trust has works. In verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto Ahava, or love, what's love? Keeping the commandments, right? And keeping Torah, and to, to do good works. Or let your light shine. And colon, in verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 10, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And this is a prophecy. People are doing that today, and they think that's okay. But exhorting one another, and, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, so that's how we draw near to God, by fellowshipping with one another. And I've been trying to preach this message for I don't know how long, and I don't think people get it yet. You know, First John chapter 1, verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him, here, and, and then let me look at this word in the Greek. Uh, it, it means participation. Communion, fellowship. It means distribution. Collection. It also can mean collection of money. So so when we fellowship with one another, we should be looking for ways to help one another. Verse first John one verse six. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Walking in darkness are proved to you as walking in the devil's ways. We lie and do not the truth. And we have to do the truth. If we don't fellowship with him, and how do we fellowship? We can't literally go to heaven and fellowship with him, no. We fellowship him through other people that have the spirit of Messiah in them, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, walking in the light is walking in the Messiah. As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And when you have fellowship, you're seeking to help someone. You care about that individual. And the blood of Messiah cleanses us from all sin. And that's how we get cleansed from sin, too. By fellowshipping and being with each other and actually caring about one another. That's how we cleanse ourselves from sin, ladies and gentlemen. I just hope you're getting this. Why do we work? You ever wondered why we work? What is the Bible definition of why we work, all right? Ephesians 4, verse 28 tells us, we work to provide for those who are in need. That's why we work. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 tells us that plainly. Uh, right here, it says, let him that stole steal no more, 
but rather let him labor, working with his hands. This is something that millennials, a lot of them are afraid of, to work with their hands, but this is there's nothing wrong with old-fashioned, dirty work, all right? But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have, and there's nothing wrong with work that's not, that doesn't involve uh, dirty work. I'm just saying that I know from experience, and I used to teach in the public school systems, and I've had a son myself, and I continue to have a son, and he's still alive, <laughs> that millennials in general have issues with that. You know, they have issues with that. Uh, they have issues with doing hard labor work. Uh, and really, it's not so much their fault as it's society's fault. I mean, they were born, millennials were born with a PC in their face. You know, touch a button, blah, 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 blah. And, and they're really a condition to uh, believe that everything should be push button and we don't have to do anything, you know, and that's unfortunate. But but I'm not saying all millennials like this. Some millennials understand they've been trained and can be trained that hard work and effort is uh, working your hands is certainly not something to be frowned upon. So anyway, uh, let him, in Ephesians 4, verse 20, I'm reading this in the King James, let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needs. And it's not just your family, folks. It's, it's anyone. Uh, in Galatians 6, Galatians 6, verse 10, it states plainly, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all, all, especially unto them who are the household of faith. So we should especially do good to those who are, are believers, but we should give to all because God gives to all. He's, he's an equal opportunity, Yah, or God. Ultimately, when we worship Yah by keeping his commandments, it should inspire us and motivate us to care about people's needs. Let me underscore that. Ultimately, when we worship Yah by keeping his mitzvot or commandments, it should inspire us and motivate us to care about people's needs. Uh, this is what my ministry is all about, and I'm going to be preaching this uh, and emphasizing this on Blog Talk Radio from now on. That's the reason why God took me away for four months, and I'm going to be preaching on ways that we can have unity among the assemblies. I know that is possible because it was possible in the first century and they were imperfect beings it is it's certainly impossible in the 21st century with all this knowledge that we have yes and I do believe that it's possible to teach correctly if it wasn't why would he have teachers we have to use our common sense ladies and gentlemen so there are some teachers I believe I'm one of them if you don't believe I am prove everything I say to be true here look up all these scriptures okay uh, so it says so let me just emphasize this again. Ultimately, when we worship God or Yah by keeping his commandments, it should inspire us and motivate us to care about people's needs. In James 1, verse 27, it says, Clean and undefiled religion before Elohim and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So the concept of being clean again, of washings, the uh, doctrine of washings that is revealed in Hebrews 6, verse 1 to 2 as one of the foundational doctrines of the entire Bible. We have to keep ourselves clean. And one of the, and that's how you can keep yourself clean, too. Uh, and, and these scriptures are popping in my mind here from God because he wants you to understand these things. Daniel chapter 4, 
one of my uh, most distinctive scriptures ever to understand the cleansing process. In Daniel 4, verse 27, he's talking to King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Wherefore, O king, uh, let my counsel, and this is Daniel speaking to him, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins, remove your sins by righteousness. Righteousness is defined in the Bible as keeping the mitzvah those that you can keep by righteousness and so that's how we break off our sins by keeping the mitzvah and, and thy iniquities by showing mercy to the poor if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility okay so that's the reason why the bible again explains the summation of the entire morality of the bible which is the instruction the torah of the bible is loving your neighbor as yourself, and when you love your neighbor as yourself, you're loving God. As proved by Matthew 25, verse 31 to 40. If you did it to the least of my brothers, you did it to me. I hope you're understanding this, because I'm trying to break it down as simple as I can. John 13, verse 34 to 35. He says, I am giving you a new command that you keep on loving each other in the same way that I have loved you. Now, this is a new command because prior to to, to him coming, prior to him coming in the first century, there was not a physical example of yod heh in the form of Messiah, Emmanuel, yod heh in the flesh. There wasn't an example of yod heh showing us himself <laughs> how to love one another. But God is not a trinity, but he's triune in nature. He reveals himself as a father, as a son, and, of course, through his power, the Holy Spirit, through his son, because he said the father was in me. The father was in him, and the father was doing the works. And... The Father was doing the works of showing us how to love one another. So that's why he's saying, I'm giving you a new command that you keep on loving each other in the same way that I have loved you. You are also to keep on loving each other. Everyone will know that you are my Talmudine or students or disciples by the fact that you have love for one another. You keep the commandments toward one another. And so here's the question. This is found in John 13, verse 34 35. And for those who doubt that the Father was not working in him, I'm going to make sure I quote scriptures here to back up everything I'm saying. In John 14, verse 10, he says, uh, you know, actually, Philip asked, show us the Father. In verse John 14, verse 10, he says, Believe thou that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And so his, this is how they're ahad, 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 in some way that we don't understand, Yeshua's essence was in the Father, and the Father's essence was in him. In John 14, verse 10, Believe thou, and I'm reading this in the King James, Believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. Okay? So that's what he meant when he said, If you see me, you've seen the Father. Not that you literally see him as the Father, because he's not the Father. He said he has the Father, the Father that we all have, who's in heaven. And this is what he means by the concept of ahad, ahad. And ahad is certainly described in John chapter 17. And he desires 
his entire assembly of believers to be ahad, just like his father and himself are ahad, or one. So anyway, so again, if I didn't make this question already, I don't know if I remember it. I, I, was, <laughs> I was talking about something else. I don't know if I remember asking the question, but it says, how, how can we learn to love each other if we're not around each other? Let me underscore that again. How can we learn to love each other if we are not around each other, ladies and gentlemen? That doesn't make any sense. Face-to-face communication and interaction will always be the best way for humans to communicate and show they care for one another. This is proved by 2 John 1, verse 12 in the Complete Jewish Bible Version. It says, although I have much to write you people, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come and see you and to talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. And this is the reason I see videos in this and a lot, you know, the fact that I need them. Even though face to face communication is the optimal, the next best thing is to have a video. And people want to see your face. You know, and I understand that. And just be patient with me. I I um, will certainly start having videos. And But see, I work just like you. I, I'm not supported like I should be. And because of that, I don't have the time to create videos. And so for those who would like for me to have more time, I challenge you to give to me. As God commands you to, you should give to your instructors. Galatians 6 verse 6 says, that in the complete Jewish Bible version and, and, and other versions is pretty clear of what it's saying, that you should share whatever you have with your instructor. And so I'm asking you, if you want to give to this ministry, go to my website, mercifulserviceofgod.com, and, and click the do- yellow donate and give if you want me to have more time to do videos. All right? So if you don't, then it's going to take more time for me to do the videos because I'm out here working and, and uh, you know I should be making my living from the gospel, and I'm not. So uh, I'm asking that you help me to do that. But anyway, and I did uh, quote Galatians 6, verse 10. But I'm going to read this commentary here with this because this is very, very distinctive here. It says, uh, Galatians 6, verse 10, this is um, commentary from uh, Mr. David Stern, a Messianic Jew that lives in the city of Jerusalem, especially to the family of those who are trusting faithfully or trusting faithfully see Galatians 2, verse 16, which, let me uh, go to that. Galatians 2, verse 16 states here. Yes, man is not justified by the works of the law. You just can't just keep uh, the commandments and be saved. That's right. But by the faith of Yeshua Messiah. Now, faith must have works. Even we have believed in Messiah that we might be justified by the faith of Messiah and not by the works of the law. And when you see the works of the law, that's talking about doing things uh, that you say, oh, it's going to save me because I'm keeping the commandments. Okay? None of us are saved by keeping the commandments. We are saved by Yeshua's sacrifice. However, again, we have to prove that we believe in what he's doing. And, and how do you... Uh, prove to any boss that you believe in that you're going to do what you're going to do by your works. Okay, so you can't say that keeping the mitzvah is not a part of the salvation process. It's not what earns us salvation, but it's what allows God to see, okay, you are agreeing to the terms of the covenant, the covenant that we, our ancestors made at Sinai that we would keep the commandments. 
and you're proving it to me. You you are following the guidelines of the covenant of the ketubah or the marriage contract that we committed to. And so, yes, I'm going to allow you to enter the kingdom of God because you are proving to me that you believe me, that you love me. That's why we keep the commandments, because we love him. All right, so uh, it says love your neighbor means even love for enemies and the unlovable. This is found in Luke 10, verse 30 to 39, and and John 13, verse 34 to 35. Yeshua enjoined his followers to love one another as I have loved you. Such love only believers can give and receive since it grows out of having the Ruach. True. Now here's another interesting scripture that I know hardly anyone follows. And I think I have invited to poor. Yeah, I have before. Or I've, we've paid for people uh, at a restaurant to to eat. But I'm trying to remember if I've ever done this. And if I haven't, I need to. So... We all do. Luke 14, verse 12 to 14. It says, And he said unto him, who invited him, When you give a dinner or supper, do not ask your friends or your brothers or your relatives nor your rich neighbors that not they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite poor ones. And this is the Bible, folks. This is what the Master is telling us to do. But when you give a feast, invite poor ones, crippled ones, lame ones, blind ones, and you shall be blessed because they do not have to repay you. They do not have anything to repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the run. This is a commandment that he's telling us to do. And he, and, he, and he also said to him and invited him. And we all more than likely have not done this, the majority. I can, I'm still trying to remember if I've ever done this. I've invited people in my home for a dinner or supper. But um, I don't know if it fits the qualification of someone who's being poor or crippled or lame or blind and so forth. I have to really remember and think hard if I've ever done that. If not, if I haven't, I need to start doing it. So anyway, he says in Luke, Luke 14, verse 12 to 14, And he also said to him who invited him, When you give a dinner or supper, do not ask your friends, nor your brothers, nor your relatives, nor your rich neighbors, that not they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite poor ones, crippled ones, lame ones, and blind ones, and you shall be blessed. Because they do not have to repay you. So you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Folks, I'm telling you, we all got work to do to reach the measure of what Messiah preached in terms of loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. This scripture proves it. Let me repeat it again. Luke 14, verse 12 to 14, the scriptures. And he also said, and he also said, to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or supper, do not ask your friends, nor your brothers, nor your relatives, nor your rich neighbors, that not they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite poor ones, crippled ones, lame ones, and blind ones, and you shall be blessed because they do not have to repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And so, when many Jews, I know some Jews practice when they have their Arab Shabbat services, they may invite some people who aren't believers and just to feed them. And, and Jews did, traditionally did this. They they traditionally did. You can prove this. I've studied it. And so, folks, you know, the, the whole purpose of why we keep the mitzvah is to learn how to care about people, ladies and gentlemen. That should be pretty clear to you now. If it's not clear to you now, I don't know if it's ever going to be clear to you. All right, so... 
Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48 is pretty clear. And people were incorrectly teaching and perverting the commandment in Leviticus 19, verse 18. And they were preaching this. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That, that's certainly not in the Bible at all. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those cursing you. Do good to those hating you. I mean, it's, it may be alluded to in the Bible, but God does not want us hating our enemies, folks. Okay? <laughs> and he's explaining that here. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those cursing you, do good to those hating you, and pray for those insulting you and persecuting you. And he states an incredible statement here. So that you become sons of your Father in the heavens. So he's saying that we won't be or we're not sons of the Father if we don't learn how to love our enemies, to bless those that are cursing us, to do good to those hating us, and to pray for those insulting us and persecuting us. So we must learn, if we haven't already, number one, love our enemies. Number two, bless those that are cursing us. Number three, to do good to those that are hating us. And to pray for those insulting us and persecuting us. We have to learn those things and do those things so that we will become sons of our Father in heaven. Let me repeat this again. We must learn how to love our enemies, number one. We must learn to, number two, bless those that are cursing us. Number three, we must learn to do good to those that's hating us. Number four, we must pray for those insulting us and persecuting us. And if we do that, then we will become sons of the Father in the heavens. Because he makes his son rise on the wicked and on the good, those that are living in darkness and those that are living in light, he does good to both, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those loving you, what reward have you? In other words, if you keep the commandments of those who just keep the commandments towards you, what reward have you? That's what he's saying. Are the tax collectors not doing the same too? And if you greet your brothers only, if you just greet believers only, what do you do more than others? Are the tax collectors not doing so too? Therefore, be complete, or the Hebrew sense of that is, uh, therefore, be perfect. The Hebrew sense of perfect perfection is completeness. We're not a complete human being in God's eyes if we don't learn how to do these things. All right? It says, as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we must learn how to do these things, ladies and gentlemen if we want to enter the kingdom of Yah, of God. This is a very important message, perhaps the most important message I've ever given on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is a, a, a message of pleading that those who are listening to me are being called to keep the commandments, certainly the first two, but the first two is just a summary of the entire instructions that is laid out in the Torah and the Prophets. And the writings. And that the reason why we keep all these commandments is to learn how to care about one another. That's the reason why we do it. God wants us to learn how to share and care to everyone, whether they're wicked or righteous, just like he does. That's why we keep the Sabbath. That's why we keep the 
the holy days. That's why we keep all the other commandments that are applicable to us, so that we will care about people. That's why. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, Cain asked an interesting question. Let's turn it. Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. He states, And the master said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? That's a famous Jewish uh, concept here. And I'm going to read this from, this is a very good book. It's called The Jewish Literacy. Jewish Literacy. Jewish Literacy. Literacy, I'm sorry. Jewish Literacy. Let me drink some water because uh, my voice is getting a little unclear. <laughs> it happens. Okay. All right. So Jewish, this book is called uh, Jewish Literacy. Jewish Literacy. The most important things to know about the Jewish religion is people in its history by Rabbi Yosef Telushkin. Telushkin, yeah. Rabbi Yosef or Joseph Telushkin, Okay. That is the rabbi, and on page and rabbi means teacher. That's why that's how I use it. Uh, on page eight of this book called Cain and Abel, am I my brother's keeper? And he states here, perhaps nothing conveys the Bible's sobriety about human nature more effectively than this tale of the first two brothers in history, one of whom murders the other. The motive for the killing is envy. Both Cain and Abel had brought the sacrifices before the master, but Yah or God was more pleased with Abel's because he brought the choices of, of his flock. Why, Cain apparently tried to get by with something less generous. So he was being stingy. Instead of protesting to Yah for ignoring his gift, uh, Cain attacks Abel in the field and kills him. Then when Yah or God asks him, Where is your brother Abel? He arrogantly responds, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And this is <laughs> correct in what he says here. He states, in essence, the entire Bible is written as an affirmative response to this question. What have you done? And so, yeah, the entire Bible is written to, to respond, yes, yes, we are our brother, uh, brother's keeper. It says, what have you done, God rails at Cain? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the earth. The Hebrew word used, demi, demi, is D and then M-E-I, Ashley is the plural of the Hebrew word for blood, literally meaning bloods. Your brother's bloods cry out to me from the earth, which the rabbis understood to mean his blood and the blood of his unborn descendants. This is in the Mishnah, Sanhedrin 4, verse 5. From this perspective, most killers are mass murderers since they bear responsibility not only for the victim, but also for his or her unborn descendants, whose lives they have also destroyed. Given the Torahs, repeated instances on capital punishment for premeditated murders, why is Cain only condemned to eternal exile? You shall become a ceaseless wanderer on the earth. Most probably because of a unique extenuating circumstance, he had not yet witnessed death. The only other human beings at that time were Adam, Eve, and Abel, and so did not understand that his violent actions could kill his brother. Cain's mother, Hava, or Eve, soon conceives and gives birth to Seth, thus at least freeing mankind from the sense that they are all descended from the murderer Cain. At the core of the Cain and Abel story is the insistence that every murder is the murder of one brother by another. Israeli poet Dan Pegas has developed this theme in a short poem about the Holocaust, written in pencil in a sealed freight car. Here in this carload, I, 
Ava or Eve with my son Abel. If you see my older boy Cain, the son of Adam, tell him that I. And so, you know, this is important, ladies and gentlemen. We have to understand that God wants us to learn how to care about people. In closing, let's turn to John, or Luke, rather, Luke chapter 3. This is one of my favorite scriptures. And I'm going to read this in the scriptures. This is Yochanan the Immerser. And let me read this in the scriptures version to get the Hebrew sense of this. Hebrews chapter, I mean, not Hebrews, but Luke chapter 3. And so he identifies as the Elijah of the first century. Uh, Luke 3, verse 4, he says, that has been written, actually, it uh, talks about Yochanan and John, as it has been written in the books of the words of Yeshiahu, the prophet, or Isaiah, saying, a voice of one crying in the, in the wilderness, prepare the way of Yodhevahe, make his path straight, Isaiah 40, verse 3 to 5. And verse 5, and every valley shall be filled, and every mountain, and every hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough become smooth ways. Now, back then, during the days of John being Elijah, none of this prophecy was fulfilled, but we understand in the end times, in particular in the book of Revelation, uh, during the last vials that are thrown upon the earth, all islands, all mountains, and all cities will be laid low. And so this is what this is talking about. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hills shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough become smooth ways. In verse 6, and all flesh shall see the deliverance of Elohim. All flesh at that time on the earth did not see the deliverance of Elohim, ladies and gentlemen, okay? <laughs> All flesh did not see that. So we know this is a future prophecy, and I've had people try to argue with me about this, but the fact is, this is a future prophecy as well. And John fulfills some of this, the foundation, but he did not fulfill the uh, the totality of it. And in John chapter 1, when they asked him, was he Elijah, he said no. And what he meant, he didn't mean that he wasn't in the spirit of uh, and power of Elijah, he meant that he wasn't the Elijah to come before the second coming of Messiah. All right, and that, that's a further Bible study, but I will prove that in a future Bible study. In verse 7, Luke chapter 3, and he, and he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be immersed by him, brood of adders, who warn you to flee from the wrath to come? Okay. Verse 8, therefore, bear fruit worthy of Teshuvah. Come back. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that Elohim is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And verse 9, and, and even now, he says, even now the axe is laid. Even, that's uh, telling you that the axe is certainly going to be laid in the future. He says, even now. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. And the trees in this context are human beings. Proved by Psalm chapter 1 and other places in the Bible. Therefore, he looks as a, as a tree that must bear fruit. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit, and that's good works, your your behavior and how you act is how Yah's going to judge or God's going to judge all of us. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then, of course, you know, I'm, I'm like this too in verse 10. And the crowds ask and saying, what shall we do then? And listen, listen to this, verse 11. And answering, he said to them, let him who has two undergarments Share with him who has none, and let him who has food do likewise. This is similar to what Yeshua said. You fed me, you clothed me, you visited me in prison, you visited the sick. I was a stranger, you let me in. These are the things that we must do 
to prove to God that we truly love him and his creation or our fellow human beings and the rest of the earth. We should show we care about animals. We should show we care about his creation. And so that is the first thing that came out. It's interesting to say keep the Sabbath and holy days because keeping the Sabbath and holy days hangs on loving your neighbor. That's one of the commandments that shows us how to do it. In verse 10, he says, And the crowds asked him, saying, what, shall, what then shall we do? And then verse 11, And as he said, Let him who has two undergarments share with him who has none, and let him who has food do likewise. In verse 12, 12 of Luke chapter 3, And the tax collectors also came to be immersed and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? In verse 13, And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed of you. In other words, don't overcharge. Verse 14, And soldiers also asked him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said, Do not intimidate anyone who accused falsely. And be satisfied with your pay. Be content. Okay? And, and that follows um, another verse here that I know a lot of, especially Americans, struggle with this. First Timothy chapter 5, verse, um, actually, chapter 6, verse 10. <clears throat> and so, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, rather, it says, But reverence with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and it is impossible to take any out. In verse 8, when we have food and covering, we shall be satisfied with these. In verse 9, he says, but those wishing to be rich fall into trial and snare into many foolish and injurious lusts, which plunge men, plunge men in ruin and destruction. This backs up what Yeshua said, that it's very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult in Matthew chapter 19 for the rich to enter into the kingdom of Yah. And then in verse 10, Paul states, for the love of Ahava of money or the, I don't think the Ahava is used in the Hebrew for this. It's talking about, uh, let me take a look here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, the lustful desire for money, and that's the Greek sense of this. It's the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the truth or the faith of keeping the true faith or uh, keeping the trust or faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So, we got to make sure that, that money is not our God, ladies and gentlemen. We can't put money ahead of everything. All right, so this has been a comprehensive teaching on loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. First of all, let's recap. Neighbor means rea in Hebrew, all right, and it means your friend or someone is nearing you, near you, live, that lives near you or around you. However, Yeshua helped us to understand we must learn how to love everyone. And this is backed up by the the, uh, the the scriptures in the Old Testament. When you take a look at um, the scripture, and it's, and it's quoted uh, in Leviticus 19, the same chapter, and the Bible wasn't written in chapters, but it's quoted in that chapter where it talks about love your neighbor. And the key verse here, Leviticus 19, verse 30, 33 to 34, it says, When a stranger resides with you in the land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you. And you shall ahava him as yourself, or love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of, of Mizraim, rather. I am the master, your Yah. <clears throat> so that means that just like we love ourselves, we should love everyone. And so really loving your neighbors as you love yourself is not just loving your friends and, and fellow believers, but loving everyone. That's how we fulfill. If you're keeping the Sabbath and holy, let me. Here's another scripture that proves my point. 
and I'm not going to rush this because this is a very important program, perhaps the most important one I ever gave. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1, or produce. Isaiah chapter 1, and this is the concept again of the doctrine of washings. That's found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 to 2. And he states this. I mean, we have people in the Hebrew Roots movement, uh, they're thinking they're so righteous because they're keeping the Sabbath and Holy Days. Not in God's eyes. Not if you're not doing the following. You're not. Because that's the reason why we do keep these things, to, to inspire us to give to people. When we fellowship with people, it should be not, oh, let me get some knowledge for myself. It should be, you should have a desire to want to help people. That's, that's why you fellowship, to, to, to have relationships with people. All right, so in, in Hebrews, uh, I mean Isaiah, yes, Yahoo 1, verse 13, or Isaiah 1, verse 13, bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. So we should not have any vain oblations, and that's, uh, that's donations or tributes and sacrificial offerings. So he doesn't want you bringing any vain offerings to him. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and Shabbats, the calling of the assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even a solemn meeting. You'll understand the reason why he's calling it iniquity if you just listen to the rest of this. Verse 14, your new moons are Rosh Hashanah, and your appointed feasts or mordings my soul hates. And keep in mind, he says your. In other words, they're not keeping it the way he wants us to keep it. Okay? They are a trouble to me. I am weary to bear them. And this is a prophecy. Not only did they, were they doing that back then, people do that today. And the Hebrew was moving, unfortunately. Not everybody, but a good portion. I know. I've experienced it. Verse 15, and when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Verse 16, and this is the reason why he says this. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. This is in the context of keeping the Mordim, the new moon, and the Sabbath. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil. Verse 17, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Verse 18, come now and let us reason together, says the master. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So we have to cleanse ourselves through giving and sharing and caring about people. That's how we ultimately cleanse ourselves and change and become complete like the Master wants us to be, ladies and gentlemen. And this is in the context of keeping the Sabbath and Holy Days. You just can't keep the Sabbath and Holy Days and not care about people. You might as well not keep them at all. Because that's the reason why we do it. This is certainly proved by this passage of Scripture. And so I, you know, I just I hope that I, I have been very clear in this teaching, and that you understand truly what it means to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It has something to do with caring about people. You can't run away from that. Sure, it's, it's true. That's all we have to do is love our neighbor. But how? The Bible shows you how. And keeping the Sabbath helps us to understand how we care about our neighbors because at that time we fellowship with one another and we come, to, we should have the attitude of wanting to want to help, to want to help someone become complete, to help 
that person be the best person they can be. When we fellowship, that's what we should have. We should have the attitude of wanting to serve and care about one another. That's why we fellowship. That's why we build relationships. It's not about us. It's about everyone. It's about the concept of unity, ehad, being one. That is what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. That is the, the entire plan of God. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul explained this to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is God's entire plan summed up here. It's beautiful the way God inspired Paul to write this. And people say that Paul was a false prophet or a false messiah, and they don't know what they're talking about. They really don't. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20, But now Messiah has been raised from the... 